sound. We are back again. It is August 15th, mid-month. We're rolling. Halfway through August, on our way towards the end of the year. Cannot wait for football season to start. But uh, it's all good. Life is great, and we're glad to be back here for another Noodleberg Daily Huddle. Good morning, Lori. Thank you for spending a terrific Tuesday with us, as we always um, we always do. We try to focus on leadership issues um, when we get together with you. Uh, but uh, Mark, you had a chance to talk to some young leaders yesterday. I was going to say, speaking of leaders, I got the opportunity to speak to oh, Leaders for mind. Life, which is an organization that uh, you know provides resources both financially and um, just through life skills to young leaders that are in college that are, you know, have an entrepreneurial spirit or that want to continue to grow professionally. And it's very, very cool because the room itself that I spoke to was six years worth of the people who have gone through that program. So you had 2017 leaders for life that were in there and they were all the way in the back of the room. And then in the very front of the room were the, were the 2023 leaders for life that are from all over the state of Florida. Um, and it was just really, really cool. And I focused on three areas for them, which I haven't really done something like that for a young cohort, but it was failure, active listening, and LinkedIn. And I was like, if you can master these three skill sets right now, I was like, you're pretty much guaranteed to be successful. I watched the video and you said, you want a guarantee? Here it is, man. Do these three things. Get really super good at it. And I would I would say that to anybody. If you get those three skills right, it is a launch pad to success. But my question to you is, and also to you, Lori, is did you have that kind of exposure when you were young? Did, did, did somebody come into a room and like show you the roadmap to leadership? Me, never. No. Never. Just, no. no. And to think. Oh, go ahead, Lori. No, I was just going to say, no, I don't think formally like that. <laughs> right. But no. I think there were people, you know, my dad was a coach. Right. So so you kind of learned it by osmosis watching him. I wonder why you're good at this stuff. Oh, that's, well, that's so, what I, you know, that's what I, I said. And he took me to formal things, but not quite this conversation. Right. Obviously, there was no LinkedIn, but I've had this, you know, that conversation plenty of times about like what it was like growing up with my dad. And you know, I you never sat down and was like, "Here's what well, you have I to do." Is a stud. <laughs> but like, you just watched it and you learned. And then, you know, in my book, I write about all of the horrible leaders that I was around that helped show me what not to do. And you would think that, like, if you were going into the coaching profession, the job is to be a leader. So you would think that they would have leadership training and development, but they don't. Uh, they they didn't. They but they don't. And such the void, which we will get to. We'll talk about behaviors. We'll talk about keys to success, you know, in, in terms of what you need to be a great leader. Lots of fun stuff on the other side. Before we get there, a shout out to Michelle Portoff's daughter, who is 18, and they're sending her off to college. So uh, what a wonderful time. Teach her about being a leader. Can a great I do one picture. more shout out? Yeah. I have to do a shout out. I don't know. If wait, 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 wait. We got to finish up, Michelle. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I it, was thought a you gra- it was a great picture that Michelle had shared on LinkedIn. Oh, 
of her daughter in her App State shirt, which is super cool. We've got family who went to App State. And that was a great question. She What she asked for everybody was to share any advice they would have or any perspective they would have for somebody going into their first year in college, which it made me really think, like, not just in college in general, particularly your first year, what would your advice be or what would your perspective be on what you should do in your first year? So I'm interested to see the way people respond. I would say you need to learn how to pour a beer. <laughs> I know. I thought about writing on there party less than you think you should. I you definitely mean, that, year, that year is a throwaway. It means absolutely nothing. You have to know how to play beer pong or something when you get your first year. Oh, <laughs> she yeah. doesn't want to hear that. But Lori, you have a beer pong thumper. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I, I did not realize you were you were continuing that. Uh, I just I just saw that he joined the huddle. I just wanted to wish Casey Delafina a very happy birthday today. Oh, good for you, Shay. Do we have any music for Casey? Um, that could be possible. Let's see here. So, uh, Laney says, don't sign up for the 7 a.m. class. <laughs> Listen, my first year in college, I scheduled my classes around General Hospital. I was home <laughs> Hospital every day with everybody. So it was. I you agree with you. Like, wow. I, I used to have the 8 a.m. classes. That was a mistake. And then I also love that um, Jonathan Aaron said, "Go to class and make a lot of friends." That's actually what I wrote on Michelle's post. I was like, "If you could make one rule for yourself, wherever you go, a lot, your dorm, your cafeteria, class. If you could make one friend in those places." the likelihood that you're going to have or one introduction in those places, the likelihood that you're going to have something in common is pretty good. And like, what a cool way to try to diversify who you meet and how you meet people in school. So that was that. look at uh, Sharon. I knew Sharon Cedar was right. Yeah. Was General was Hospital fan. Back then. It was like, I can't kidding? believe you watched General Hospital. I mean, I know a, I did every day. All of my friends. We had like, Scotty Baldwin goes. To we are not. We are not time. going to have a General Hospital conversation right now. Shay, Let's give us a Is it my imagination or does the show have a little bit of a spark, man? There's like, <laughs> like an energy here. Let's say this. I can't tell you how many people reached out to me yesterday to talk about the ear hair content and how funny <laughs> it was. Like, I got a ton of messages that was like, that was really funny. And thanks for sharing that. So it was pretty good. Awesome. So we, we're talking about young people. We're talking about leadership. We have a great conversation coming up. But our friend Jay Katari posted something this morning that is mind-boggling to me. Jay, show me the headline. <laughs> so, Mark, read that out loud if you would. Polls show teens prefer social media over voting. They why would, Why is that surprising to They anybody? would give up their right to vote? I mean, 
Uh, why? Yeah. I don't, so to me, like you look at that and you take the information away from that, you know, there's not a lot of belief that they have an effect on the system. Not a lot of belief that That's, it really yeah. matters, you know, and the thing that they and, you know, look, the, I've done a lot of studying recently about dopamine and it's particularly in kids with screen devices and watching Jules respond to watching something on the iPad or watching something on the TV and the way he wants more of that. The young people have been conditioned that there is nothing more important than their screen and their device and their brain is feeding them that chemical that makes them believe that. So that's not a surprising statement to me at all. But also don't, I think there is some disenchantment. I don't want to choose between a shit sandwich. I was just going to say, that's exactly where I was going to go. That right. Don't you think there's a lot of disenchantment amongst our young people? Well, amongst everybody, but especially our young people. Look at the models. Look so what they're gonna Well, we're going to talk about young people in leadership. I'm gonna where are the young people in politics? So I'm going to suggest it's a lack of learning. Jocko, please give me Jocko. You take a guy that does a good job at their job, and then you just say, okay, now you're in charge of seven people that are doing that job that you used to do. Oh, we have a guy that's a really good sniper. Cool, we're gonna put him in charge of the sniper element with six snipers in. The guy's a really good sniper. He has that skill set. So he must be able to lead. Leadership is a skill. And people are not just born with this skill. Look, some people have some of it. Some people are born with a little bit more. Some people are born with a little bit less. But to take somebody that was good at HVAC and say, oh, he's good at air conditioning and heating, he must know how to be a leader. It's just not, he went to some kind of trade school to learn HVAC, right? Let's get him some training. Let's get him on the academy, on the Extreme Ownership Academy. Let's put him through those courses. If you don't have time to invest in your leaders, you better have time to fail, because that's what's gonna happen. So, bingo. Is that a bingo? Is that a bullseye? Yeah. Is that as good as it gets? You use that as a sales pitch, <laughs> well, because that's what we say to people: the 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 you know the lack of middle management training is alarming. But where does that start? That was my takeaway: that you were talking to kids that are learning what it's like to be the CEO of their own life first. Right. First, you got to lead yourself, and then take on the ability, but. None of us in my era, I didn't have any real training to be a leader. I was the best sales guy. So they said, oh, in order to, you want more money? Well, we'll just make you a leader. You know, that, that was the dialogue. And I think that happens all the time. It's like, how do you pay somebody? You give them more responsibility. My question to you guys is, have you ever heard of something called the Peter Principle? No, what's the Peter Principle? Lori, do you know what I've that is? It, but I honestly can't remember what it is. But I have the, to this is this could be the whole show. The Peter principle is when you take somebody who is really good at something and promote them to a position that they suck at. It just <laughs> it happens in every company. All of a sudden, you take someone that was great, you move them into an area that they're not really skilled at. They suck. They get fired, and you wound up creating two holes instead of one. So this whole idea of training, I think starts, you know, with, with young kids because 
And that's why I was so thrilled to see you. It's also, it's also identifying like, what are the key components to success, Uh right? Like I didn't talk to them all about leadership, particularly in leading people and the development of people. I talked to them about here are the skill sets that you need for yourself to be successful. Here are the three things that if you do for you, they will help you be successful. Now, one of them, active listening, happens to be something that is very important in leadership. So if you can master that, it will help you be successful. But there's so much more to it. Absolutely. Great job, Jonathan Aarons. <laughs> so why don't we jump into what this month's uh, this week's blog is the OTB blog. Shay, show me what that looks like so people can reference it online. There you go. That is, that's on our website. Anybody can go there. Anybody can get it. If you want to get it regularly, sign up for our newsletter. But this topic this week is the importance of emotional intelligence in leading effectively. And there are five. Mark, do you have five components to it, which I thought, you know, I think the first one is definitely the most important one. And we talk about it a lot, but it's self-awareness, right? And and being able to give yourself an honest evaluation about what you're good at, what you're not good at, the way people perceive you, not just the way you perceive yourself, but being able to understand the way you're perceived by others. If you don't have that capability, it doesn't really matter what else you have in leadership. It's going to be very, very hard to be successful. I'm interested in Lori's take on this. We we have dug into this in our coaching, you know, with each other. But I'm, I'm curious to see where you are today on it. Well, for I mean, so self-awareness, number one. Um, but I think, you know, look, social emotional intelligence is about, right, understanding your emotions as well as others. I think the most important part that I is where I think there's a a miss uh, very often is regulating emotions. I can under, I can take the time to understand your emotions, to understand mine, but how we regulate and react, right, is, is yep. different than understanding what they are. Okay, I understand them, but then how do I react and regulate that? And I think that's where I see the lack of being able to regulate my emotions sometimes, not, not me in particular, but I mean, people in general. And the other thing is talk about self-awareness, not, and you said it, not everyone is built and Jocko said it to be a leader, right? In, in that sense of the word where we're, well, we're born with it, not, not everybody's born with it. Right. But also not everybody should be, not everybody wants to be, but we think we have to be because of the pressures, right? That if we, so you come to me and you say, Hey, I'd like to promote you to, well, you know, be a director or a manager or whatever. We say yes, because we can't say no. Right? If I'm a high achiever and the only way I see growth in an organization is through climbing the ladder, then we've created the system for that. So we could say like, oh, well, you know, we should do leadership development and we should only promote people into leadership positions that fit that. But if you haven't created another way for growth, like and I I go back to sports and I think that this is a great example that we should replicate in the business world. The highest paid receiver on the team is doing the same exact job as the lowest paid receiver on the team. They are responsible for doing the exact same thing. And one guy is making an ass ton more money than another guy. 
and it's based on performance. Right. So it is, it's a metric that's easy to measure. I love that. You know, but I want to go back to the emotional side. We all have predisposed biases based on how we grew up, where we grew up. We have this emotion that if that dictates your decision making, it's not safe. Yep. So part of self-awareness, and, and Laura, you and I have talked about this, is saying, okay, I feel this way about this situation or this employee. Why do I feel this way? Is the where is this coming from? Is it personal? Is it professional? Is it some other, you know, thing that happened somewhere along the road that ticked me off? That's what great leadership is, is taking in, I think, taking in all the information and then making an unbiased decision about what the next step is. In in order to be self-aware, you have to be able to be vulnerable because in order to be self-aware, you have to be prepared and willing to listen to other people's perspectives, right? Talk about a 360 type of right evaluation. Not doesn't have to be formal, it can be informal, but you have got to be able to listen to that feedback, right? In order to to understand that that takes vulnerability as well. So I do think that there is vulnerability is also another part of emotional intelligence. I totally agree. And that kind of ties to the next one, which is empathy, but this comment, which we're all guilty of saying is, I understand how you feel. No, you don't. You have no idea how I feel. You're, in, you're not in my shoes. So whether it's personal or, or business, when you say that, you are making an assumption of where someone is, and that's yeah. dangerous. That's not healthy growth. You need to give people the, the space to say, hey, this is how I am perceiving you without getting angry. And for me, that was always the biggest challenge is, uh, you know, I would reach a point where I, you know, all right, enough of this, you know. Just... So Melissa asked a great question in yeah, this, like in, in this, in this conversation of leaders versus performers and whatever, can performers get paid more than your managers and leaders? If you look at the coaching profession, that is what happens. The athletes are getting paid more than the majority of the coaches, the people that are responsible for leading the individuals on the team that are responsible for vision, that are responsible for organization, that are responsible for strategy, that are responsible for doing all the things that are aligned with leadership. They're getting paid less than the people that are actually being asked to perform those things to be successful on Saturday and Sunday. So I think the idea that we have to structure everything in a way that leaders have to be paid more and individuals have to be paid less. And the only way that we climb the pay scale is it's broken. It created the system that we're in now that we're complaining that we don't have the right people in leadership. But so we have to be able to work all of it together. I think pay should be based on performance and you can tie your leader's pay and bonuses to team performance, which incentivizes them to make hard decisions with people on their team. So I just referenced this yesterday when I was talking to Brendan Neef, uh, the Michael Gervais interview that he did with Dak Shepard, they referenced uh, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll said, I treat everybody fair, not equal, sure. not equal. The, you know, the quarterback, who is the centerpiece of everything we're putting together, he's going to get treated differently, including pay, 
Yep. Used to it. That's okay. That's the highest performer on the team. And so I still think that sets up lots of backstory and, you know, lots of challenges. But that's a great analogy for business. You need to pay your high, your top performers. People are producing revenue. <laughs> but I think what Melissa is saying is a little bit different. And I understand in, in football and sports that, that that may be the way it is. But in business, right? That first of all, in any company I've ever worked for, you were paid and bonus, right, based on your performance. So that I've always seen that. So so that goes without saying to me. But the other part is, if you are a manager, director, whatever that level is, there's only so much, right, on the pay scale when you look at the right. the market, when you look at the comparables, right. And it's not the same as the CEO. The responsibility is different. We both may be great performers, but the responsibility of that executive, of that coach, of that leader, right, is far greater in the end. They have a lot more to lose at the end of the day because they're going to be held ultimately responsible, right? So but so what Melissa is saying is, is true. In, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but what I am saying is she's well, right that's my in point, the business Lori. world. But- I don't but think there broken. There. wouldn't there be an incentive at that point for someone to learn what do I need to do to become CEO? I mean, that, that to me is the basis That's of all this. She's not going to get better than. So, and, and Lori, I think once you enter into the leadership track, nobody's going from being a sales associate to being the CEO. So like if I'm a sales associate and all I'm interested in doing is driving revenue, and I'm responsible for 80% of the revenue that comes into an organization in the year. Now, obviously, that's a drastic exaggeration. You better pay me equal to the CEO because I'm doing as much to grow the organization as that guy is. And, and I think where that woman is. That. I think agreed. Correct. Agreed. Agreed. I would recognize that. But you're talking about sales. Sales is different. I'm talking about anybody. I'm talking about anybody that creates that kind of revenue, that kind of influence or that kind of growth inside of an organization to me you got to be able to quantify everything right and sure like if you're a customer service rep and your responsibility is answering phones and dealing with problems you could probably convert that into how many dollars you didn't lose if i'm taking more calls than everybody else and i have a better success rate of keeping people on i'm responsible for that and therefore, I should be compensated for that because I help the organization not lose revenue. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's lots of ways that we I, could I structure it. I don't think you can make a blanket statement like that. You, there are CEOs. Did. You in the, no, I know, but I'm just saying I don't agree with the blanket statement. There are CEOs in the nonprofit world that raise as much or more than you're, somebody who's in the sales, right? So you're solidifying my point that then they should be hey, overtime. Overtime, break these two up, please, please. And we'll go to overtime. But the whole point, Lori, is that they're doing more for the organization, therefore they get paid more. As no. the CEO and the revenue driver, you deserve to get paid more than everybody well, she else. She came for the train wreck and you're getting it. To me... Classic. <laughs>
and so and Jonathan Aarons makes a great point. Managers, leaders are responsible for more revenue producers, which is why they are typically paid more. Assuming that those revenue producers that they're responsible for are making more. Are making to me, more. again, it's back to the conversation of what does the performance look like? It didn't matter how hard I coached. It didn't matter how hard I tried. If we weren't successful statistically and on the field, we were getting fired. That was the that was just the way the business worked. And sometimes, even if you excelled statistically and did a great job, you were still getting fired, which is obviously a ridiculous answer. But to me, we don't we don't focus on performance enough and we don't incentivize performance enough. We've become so comfortable with the structure and climb the ladder. And these are the pay scales are. I'm going to close out the conversation today by saying that's a whole separate topic. <laughs> Compensation in this new climate is really a tough dialogue. How do you balance, you know, what the I responsibility to is to say, hey, we got a budget, man. We can't, you know. I'm we just just saying, and then how do you sustain it, right? Yep. How do you sustain it, right? You can't keep paying everybody more if revenue doesn't go up. So for me, I always tied it to that number. Right. I, I said, listen, man. Every dollar over this number, you got sharing. That yeah. incented the shit out of everybody. Right. You know, then it's self-policed. They were like, right. People were walking around going, get off your ass, man. We got to hit that number. Amen. So, I agree. A thousand percent. Unbelievable day. Um, Lori, I never know. Are you coming back again tomorrow? I don't know. Am I? I don't know. I, I, I have no, I lost control of the show <laughs> when I left. So I don't know. Is, are you, are you, is this a rollover or do you have work to do? What's up? I will check my calendar and I know I'm scheduled Monday and Tuesdays, but I will check my calendar. If you would like me to come back tomorrow. We always like you, man. It's always yeah, great. Absolutely. Let's go it's great. Yeah. No, listen, we could go on for days about all this. Um, but well, we didn't get to the other four. Plus there are behaviors that we could dig into. So I think there was we a lot of passion today. There was a lot of, we should do that. You know, Back and forth dialogue. We had a big audience today. Wisdom Wednesday. Come back. Lori's coming back. We're canceling our whole day. She'll be an irresponsible seat. Lori, <laughs> <laughs> right, I got to do the huddle. <laughs> so, I love it. Y'all have a great day. See you Check tomorrow. Out the newsletter. Get that info inside of your brain and let it marinate. Have a great love day. Love it. Bye. Bye, guys. Tomorrow, please don't worry about me. Sir, sir. I'm about to let my heart speak my Friends keep telling me to leave this So let's get down, let's get down to business Let's get down, let's get down to business